Hello, Lion Cook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lion Cook Thoughts Podcast. And on this episode, I get to interview Chef Lewis Robinson. Chef Robinson is the owner of the Spice Pop-Up Restaurant. He's also a restaurant consultant, or consultant and he is the owner of Swanee Food. Swanee Food being a social media site on Instagram that has 117,000 followers. And when I first met Chef Lewis Robinson, I met him through his Instagram page and he had a sizable following of 48,000 followers. And through talking to him and asking how he was able to build such a large audience through being a chef, he kind of explained to me, you know, just doing what you want to do, being true to the content you want to see. And then he was like, yeah, that's why I've created Swanier Food. And I was like, what's Swanier Food? So when I went to go look it up, it ended up being this giant Instagram page with 117,000 followers. Actually, it's at 118 now. I just checked. And it's great to see someone in the food industry kind of push themselves to market themselves, build a brand, and have their hand in so many different projects. So along with doing his restaurants, he does restaurant consulting. He also does some private chef work, and he runs his social media uh, Instagram page. And I think it's very admirable, and I think it's a great conversation for any chef who wants to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur in the food industry. Any chef who has an entrepreneurial spirit and wants to get out there and create and do business. And I think it's very interesting for a cook who maybe doesn't want to be pigeonholed or doesn't want to be held in, a, in one single box in their career. They kind of want to break out and do their own do their own thing and do many different things. So I think it's a very great conversation to have had with him. And I also think it's a great conversation for y'all to listen to for the reasons I just said. I also like talking with him because hopefully we'll be able to work on some future projects on Swanee Food and Line Cook Thoughts. But uh, I really think it's going to be the start of a great partnership where we can put out great content for the cooks that listen to us on a weekly basis. You know, at the end of the day, Chef and I, that's why we do this. We want to put our work out there for cooks to relate, for cooks to come to and, you know, be able to share and just talk to each other. And I think it's very important to have that kind of community. And it was very cool to talk to someone who's been successful trying to make that community happen. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to get going with this. My only other announcement is that I am starting a, an Anthony Bourdain podcast episode. I'm starting to work on it. And basically what I want is to create an episode where you all send me a voice message and I put them all together and put them in one singular episode. So if you don't know how to do it, there's a post on my Instagram page. Just look for Anthony Bourdain's picture. I'll keep putting it on my story so you know. But if you want to hear it from me now... The way to do it is to download the Anchor app. It's the app that I use to record all the podcasts, the podcast phone calls. And basically, you download the Anchor app, look me up, Line Cook Thoughts, and at the top right, it'll say voice message. And you have the ability to send a voice message up to a minute long. And it would mean a lot if you could just send a message on why Anthony Bourdain inspired you to maybe get into cooking or why he just inspired you in general. Because he's someone who a lot of cooks looked up to and still look up to through his work that he left behind. And I think it's very important to commemorate him. June 8th will be a year since he passed, and that's when I plan on releasing this podcast episode. And if I get 200 messages, they're all going in. So however long you want to make it, just please send me a message because I really think it would be special to have a documented podcast of just a bunch of cooks saying why he meant a lot. I really think it's something special that we could create and something that I look forward to kind of putting together and sharing with the rest of the the culinary world and I think it would be so cool that the Lion Cook Thoughts community kind of came together to share one 
giant podcast episode on why they loved Anthony Bourdain. So please send me that. And, you know, as always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you want to get some Line Cook Thoughts merch, check out linecookthoughts.com. And thank you, Chef Lewis, for coming on. It was truly a pleasure to talk to you. I'm excited for any future projects we have together. And I'm just excited for Swan A Food and to see where it's going. So go follow him at Swan A Food. Go follow him at Chef underscore Lewis Robinson. And yeah, let's just do this. Yeah, hello. Hey, Chef. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. So if uh, you just want to start it out with uh, introducing yourself, a little bit about yourself, what you do now, and yeah, it'll be good to go. Yeah, so my name is Lewis Robinson. Um, I have a, a pop-up restaurant named Spice, and we also do uh, menu consulting and uh, personal chef work, as well as... Uh, uh, sort of some brand partnerships and uh, content creation here and there. Awesome. And uh, you also help run uh, Swanye Food, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Swanye Food is my page, um, run pretty much completely by me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So uh, let's just start out with, uh, you know, where you're from and what food was like growing up for you. Uh, I grew up in um, Oakland and the San Francisco Bay Area, kind of moved around a little bit, but um, definitely a Northern California Bay Area uh, boy. Uh, currently live in Florida, but um, definitely all my upbringing was in the Oakland, San Francisco area. Okay. Uh, food growing up for me, um, I was raised by a single mom. My dad died when I was real young, and so... Uh, there was a lot of like home cooked cheap meals, um, you know, a lot of like shepherd's pie, uh, you know, spaghetti and meatballs, uh, tacos, you know, all kind of uh, pot roast, things that my mom could kind of cook up and put on the stove and have it be ready and it could feed us for, you know, a day or two. Um, and I actually learned a lot, you know, helping her cook and, uh, you know, just being forced into do stuff at home and to, you know, make stuff stretch. Um, I think it kind of shaped me in my uh, love for cooking when I was younger. Nice. Awesome. Uh, is there a certain fruit food memory you have, like a certain dish or? You know, you I was thinking about that. I think, um, you know, one of my favorite food memories was when I was 14, a friend of mine and my mom went to Mexico <clears throat> and we went to this really small town called Barra de Navidad, which um, my dad used to own a place there. So that's why we went there, I guess. And um, we, we've never really been much uh, big on going to tourist spots. We always kind of find the off the beaten path places. But anyway, we found this little seafood restaurant that was um, right on the water and you know again no tourists or nothing all locals um, but I remember you know I don't remember all that we did that much but I remember specifically that we ordered ceviche there and it was so fresh and it came out almost like a um, almost like a salsa because they served it with chips and mm. you know we were, we were there by the docks and you know the breeze was blowing and we're eating fresh ceviche and I mean it was just it was amazing and as a you know, I was still a kid. I was 14, but I remember like really being into that food and really like tasting all the flavors and thinking about it and wondering how they made it and wondering what they put in it, 
you know, and just the atmosphere of being right there by the water was definitely a, a big food moment for me as a kid. And uh, I actually really love making ceviches today. So <laughs> it must have impacted me somewhere or another. Nice. And uh, what was your uh, first restaurant job? My first restaurant job was working, um, maybe I shouldn't call the name, but working at a little sort of chainish uh, Mexican restaurant. And, uh, you know, I think I was probably, I don't even remember. It was as soon as I could legally work, I think I may have even gone a little earlier with like a mom's permission slip or something. Um, <laughs> you know, I must have been, I don't know, 14 or so. And uh, I think I just, you know, I just like worked on the line, basically roll burritos and chop tomatoes for salsa and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I enjoyed it and got some money and got to, you know, eat free burritos. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Did you know you always wanted to be a cook? Uh, you know, what's funny is I talk about this with my mom uh, every so often is uh, um, I always like enjoyed cooking when I was, you know, at the house and stuff and I would always mess around in the kitchen and I would always watch, you know, cooking shows like I grew up watching like uh, Yan Can Cook and, uh, you know, Julia Child and, um, you know, other shows like that. And my mom used to tell me you should go to culinary school you like cooking and I was like meh like yeah I like cooking but I'm not going to go to culinary school and make a career out of cooking I just like enjoy cooking at home but that would be a lame career <laughs> so <laughs> I remember we always had that conversation um, but no I never really knew I wanted to be a cook I never thought of it that way um, I just kind of fell into it. It was always a, you know, a job that I could always hold down and, and was kind of good at. So it kind of just became that. Um, but honestly, I don't really still, I don't really identify as a cook or a chef. Um, okay. I think it's something that I enjoy doing and something I'm good at, but I, I kind of identify myself more as a businessman. I think that, um, you know, cooking is just one area of business that I excel at. Um, okay. Um, but there's other areas of business that I pursue as well. And I think that, you know, if I decided, um, you know, five years from now that I wanted to transition out of cooking, I would be all right with that. You know, I try not to put my identity too much in one field because, uh, you know, uh, when that if that skill goes away or you get too old to do it anymore, then, you know, then your identity is lost and you don't know who you are anymore, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. So, so what was your, uh, you know, leading up to this point of you having your, like, I guess wearing different hats, like, what was your career like? How did you kind of get here? Well, um, I mean, I always, like I said, um, worked in and out of restaurants uh, most of my working life. Um, worked in a lot of, you know, little places like that place I told you about. And I worked in, uh, different cafes, worked flipping burgers, worked in, you know, a lot of different places. Um, before I moved to Florida, I was actually um, a general manager of uh, two different um, Mexican restaurants, uh, sort of uh, mom and pop places where uh, one had been successful and then they opened a second uh, business. Uh, so I managed both of those as well as kind of wrote the menu uh, for the new place, or at least some of it had some uh, inspiration in doing some of the dishes there. Um, and then I've also worked for uh, 
like uh, prepared food sections of grocery stores and stuff and ordered, you know, ordered tons of food for prepared food section of grocery stores. I've done a lot of different things um, in the food arena, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then out here in Florida, before I was um, before I started my company, I was working as a chef de cuisine at, of a local restaurant. Um, so I definitely have, um, you know, a wide variety of experiences. Um, but I guess it kind of goes back to what I was saying is like not identifying so much as a chef. I mean, I know there's some people that like, you know, they make everybody call them chef and like they're super like, um, sort of pompous about that um i don't know when guys work for me you know i don't make them call them chef i don't you know assert authority over them because i don't feel like i'm somebody that's like so much better than anybody else um i think i've had some success and i thank god for that but um i'm just you know i'm just learning like everybody else is still you know and i'm just uh, Mm -hmm. grinding it out like everybody else so uh i always try to keep that mindset you know there's so much more to learn Nice. That's a good way of looking at it. So I guess you want to get into uh, what spice is then. If you want, we'll start with like cooking and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So, I mean, spice started, like I said, I was working as chef de cuisine of this little restaurant out here in Florida. Um, And, uh, you know, I was, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, grinding out uh, busy shifts and everything like that. And, you know, it's the chef life. Uh, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I also felt like, you know, probably wasn't making the money I should be making. And, uh, also felt like my creativity was pretty limited there. And, um, during that time I was sort of getting more creative, had a lot more ideas about food and, uh, what kind of food I would like to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I really, the chef there gave me some creative liberty, but, you know, when it's not your restaurant, there's only so much you can do. And mm. um, I kind of just felt like, you know, that the area that I'm in right now, um, Sarasota, Florida, it's not, um, it's not a small town or anything, but it's definitely not like a big food scene, like say New York or Miami or San Francisco or something, you know, there's still uh, a, a long way to go in terms of, uh, having really sort of progressive restaurants and really exciting menus. So I thought, you know, I bet that, you know, my wife and I could work on this together and we could make the same amount of money or more doing something on our own. And we'd actually be able to bring something interesting to the food scene here and, you know, be a blessing to the community. Or mm-hmm. we, could, we could offer something that people weren't offering. So that was kind of our uh, initial thought process and uh we've had man i don't even know how many anymore i've stopped keeping track but we've had a lot of successful pop-up restaurants um and we've also uh been just doing a lot of private chef work for people um in the community and um you know it's been very rewarding you know i I think my wife and i always have the motto that uh we just want to make people happy i think that's really what our business is about so whether it's you know, doing a really awesome pop-up dinner that is presenting a menu that people can't get anywhere else in town and making it a kind of a fun night out that they can enjoy. Or if it's, you know, coming to somebody's house and cooking them a 
memorable meal for their 50th wedding anniversary. You know, I mean, we've done <laughs> all of that and everything in between. And uh, we just enjoy making people happy. And if we can, you know, do something small like that to make people smile and, and give them a good time, then uh, we enjoy that. Great. And uh, why, uh, uh, why, does, why do you think the pop-up model is like your choice? Is it because, like you said, you don't want to be stuck with one thing? Like you just well, want to keep moving? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, the pop-up model works for us because, um, I mean, it, well, f- as a chef, first of all, it's very, uh, it forces you to be creative, you know? I mean, you have, we've never repeated a menu. We've always uh, had a new menu at every one of our pop-ups. And uh, we also have had a new theme. So it's not even like the same kind of cuisine. We've gone everything from, French to Caribbean to Latin to using hot chili peppers on every course to pairing things with coffee to, you know, doing seafood, doing, you know, we've done a whole myriad of different themes and cuisine styles. So uh, as a chef, it's nice because it, you know, it allows you to stay creative and not get stuck uh, in a box. Um, For for us personally running a business is nice because my wife and I, uh, you know, we get to have free time. We get to set our own schedule, decide where we want to do our pop-ups, when we want to do them. Um, you know, it, it gives us a bit more, um, what should I say, a bit more flexibility in uh, how we arrange our lives. You know, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of chefs, God bless them, they work, you know, 16 hours a day and they don't have much time for family or hobbies or anything else like that. <clears throat> so uh, with what we do, um, we're fortunate enough to, uh, you know, still have a personal life, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. It's good to hear. So I, you also are into uh, restaurant consulting. Uh, I just want to know a little bit, like I've never actually talked to someone who consults for restaurants. What is that mm-hmm. process like? And is it challenging? And how do you um, kind of get into it? Yeah, it can be challenging. Um, so there's kind of two sides to restaurant consulting, I would say. Um, you have one side that is someone's opening up a new restaurant and they want help building their menu or uh, training their staff or, you know, building a concept and whatnot. Um, and then you have also somebody with an existing restaurant where maybe things aren't going so well or they just want some sort of change. Um, they want a new menu. Maybe they are uh, in between chefs or something like that. Um, so those are kind of two different animals that are are uh, are handled differently. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I just come about it from kind of the same perspective um, I was talking to you about with the pop-up of making people happy and being a blessing. Um, I personally hate to see restaurants fail. You know, I think there's too many of them that fail. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, even my wife and I will go out to eat at a new restaurant and then like the atmosphere is great and there's a buzz and everything looks great outside and inside. And then you taste the food and you're like, wow, this is, you know, really not, up to par it's not matching their atmosphere etc etc and so i think that consulting is you know it's a good tool for restaurant owners and restaurant tours to have to be able to have someone um, that can come in and with an unbiased opinion and with an outside opinion and be able to help them you know i mean that's really 
obviously it's a business for us, but our first and foremost desire is to see these restaurants succeed, you know, because having a restaurant can be tough and it can be uh, stressful and too many of them, you know, don't succeed. So if we can play a small part in just helping people get the food where it should be and get that in order, obviously there's a lot more to running a restaurant than just having good food. But, um, you know, if we can help with that part of it, um, then, you know, that's one little, <laughs> little something we're giving back, you know? Mm-hmm. It is, do you find it uh, mostly easy to kind of give your input or is it difficult sometimes to um, kind of like give input on someone's vision or? <laughs> it depends. Um, you know, it's easier if you're starting from ground zero with a new restaurant or a new concept, cause they can kind of give you, give you like general outlines of what they want. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you kind of create around that. And obviously there's always trial and error. Some things they'll like, some things they don't. Um, but it's also, I think it's more difficult when you, you know, maybe have a restaurant that's been there for a long time. And, you know, these are, this menu has become sacred, you know, and so now you're taking their sacred menu that they started this place with maybe, and you're kind of messing with it. You know, you're messing with their baby, <laughs> so to speak, even though they asked you to, it can still be, you know, uh, stepping on eggshells sometimes it's always interesting to see how much they want to let you change which you know i can understand um but change is good we all need to embrace change sometimes (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely so um along with consulting you also on your instagram like in your bio i guess it says a luxury personal chef what is Uh that what do you like what do you mean by that like well um our, what we do for, um, as far as personal chef work is, you know, we go about it a little bit different. Um, we try to bring the same experience that you would get in one of our pop-ups uh, to someone's home. So we really cater to people that want um, high-end fine dining experiences. Uh, normally, when we come into someone's home, we'll be doing a five-course tasting menu, Um, you know, with a lot of uh, prep heavy um, creative components and ingredients. Um, We, you know, shop the local farms to try to source everything uh, locally and seasonally. Uh, We build the menus custom for them based upon their uh, likes or dislikes or dietary restrictions. Um, So it's just a very involved process and it's a very, um, I, I guess I would say a very, um, you know, we cater to them, especially on, on what they want and what their needs are. So it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, if you went to, you know, a luxury um, resort, you know, it's all inclusive. They do everything for you. They treat you well. They figure out what you want. They they do things just for you. That's kind of how we like to do our personal chef service. You know, we're not, we're probably not the guy you would call to come, you know, uh, do a bunch of grilling for a 4th of July backyard party, you know, <laughs> we're more of, um, you know, uh, a very upscale dinner party kind of, uh, feel. Yeah. I mean, your plating is beautiful, so it'd be cool to kind of, it's cool to see that. Yeah. And so. you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it can be a really, um, special experience for people to have in the comfort of their own home. I mean, we've done, um, you know, people have have sometimes will even buy our services as gifts for someone else, you know, whether they have a 
special anniversary or birthday or, uh, you know, special occasion. They just bought a house or something like that. And um, to be able to come into someone's home and just, you know, serve them, wait on them. They don't have to do anything. We, we do all the shopping. We bring our own pots and pans. We leave the place cleaner than we found it. So, you know, it's an experience that a lot of people don't get to uh, get to have in their home, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, um, and then after that, like, what advice could you give for someone who wants to be a personal chef? Um, I think um, if you want to be a personal chef, the first place you should start, obviously, is making sure you can cook. That's <laughs> that's always <laughs> um, a plus. But, you know, let's say that's a given. I think, um, you know, if you have some sort of background in marketing or you can um, – acquire some marketing skills or do some homework on marketing, I think that would be, uh, you know, really beneficial because ultimately as a personal chef, you're kind of out there um, bobbing in the sea, you know, trying to find clients and uh, you have to know how to market yourself. You have to know how to make yourself appealing um, and you have to know about, know how to, um, you know, how to get clients. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to make it sound mechanical because it's not a lot of it is building relationships and those kind of things but um you know there's a lot more to it than just being a chef you have to be an entrepreneur of sorts a businessman to know that you know you this is your business and you have to get it out there you have to let people know about it you have to find a way uh for people to find out about you and so um i think to for some chefs that'd be great but for others that are just used to you know, clocking in and putting your head down on a cutting board and, you know, prepping and grinding and working in a kitchen. Uh, there's other skill sets that you need to acquire to be able to do this. You know, it's, it's running your own business and it's uh, being an entrepreneur, which is, I think, very well suited to a lot of chefs because a lot of chefs know how to hustle. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you just have to have that awareness, you know, that it's not just cooking. There's a lot more involved. Definitely. Yeah, there's definitely so much that goes into it. Um, and that kind of leads us to our next topic. Uh, so I mean, when I reached out to you, you had a pretty impressive Instagram following. Um, and I had not heard of Soirne Food for your page, your page, you know, your, your culinary page. Uh-huh. So when I was reached out to you at first, I was like, like, you know, Chef Lewis has a, you know, pretty good Instagram following. I want to kind of talk to you about that. And then you told me about Soirne Food and I look it up and I'm like, holy shit, like this is huge like you have 117,000 <laughs> followers right and I was like wait what, like, where did it, like first off I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it yet because <laughs> of everything I was doing on Instagram and second I was like like w- like how did this even happen so if you could just tell us the story of Swanee food yeah so I mean Swanee food is an interesting story um you know uh I have a lot of chef friends online um, and, and just as an interesting side note I never I never went to culinary school, but I always considered myself a culinary student. And so I was like, Instagram became like culinary uh, research for me. You know, I mean, what other platform can a chef get on and study the food of, you know, Daniel Hum and, you know, um, all these amazing chefs from around the world on the top 50 list. They all have Instagram accounts and all describe their dishes and what's in them and all give you, you know, uh, detailed plating pictures and all these things. I mean, Instagram is such an amazing platform for chefs to learn. 
Mm. Um, and so, you know, I was always on Instagram and a lot of uh, chef friends that I met through social media, some of them in Britain, some of them here in the States, you know, different uh, friends from all over. Um, we always had like a back and forth conversation about like, you know, what food is is trending on Instagram or what's going on or, you know, what pages uh, were giving people features and stuff. And so I won't call any of them by name, but I'm sure if any chefs that are familiar with Instagram are listening, there's quite a few pages that have like big followings that uh, repost uh, chef's food. Right. And like mm -hmm. when we had, when I first started my Instagram, my personal Instagram page, it was like a big deal to get reposted by one of these pages because it was almost like, uh, they were validating your work, you know, like someone that posts all these amazing, you know, uh, gourmet food pictures posted your picture and it was like, you know, it was something, you know, it was like mm -hmm. some small piece of validation, even though, you know, we shouldn't be looking for validation through a like or a follow or a repost. But uh, just as someone trying to build an Instagram following as a chef, it was like, okay, someone saw and noticed what I was doing. And um, it was also very beneficial for growing your page because, you know, if you get your work, it's reposted to a page with a million followers or 300,000 followers or whatever it might be, um, then you get followers out of that. And, you know, you get um, some exposure. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously it was like something that myself and a lot of other chefs um, kind of looked to and followed to see who was going to repost it. And um, we started to notice that like a lot of the stuff getting reposted was like, I don't know, dishes that we didn't even think were all that great. You know, like maybe something that was really colorful or kind of fancy or, you know, looked pretty. But when you examined it from a chef's perspective, you're like, this dish doesn't really make sense. Or, you know, this is just made for Instagram. There's not really much culinary substance here or whatever. And to some degree, it would start getting annoying because, like, you know, I mean, um, even if it wasn't yourself, maybe somebody that you're following, a chef friend of yours, is putting in, like, mad work and coming up with all these amazing dishes and he, mm -hmm. tag, he tags all these pages and they totally overlook him and they post, you know, some random guy's dish that just looks lame. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're watching this and you're thinking, dude, like this is kind of messed up. So one day we we're talking to some friends of ours um, and myself and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to start a page. And they're like, what? You're going to start a page? I was like, yeah, why not? If they can have a page, we can have a page, you know. And, <laughs> uh, it kind of just started out as like, you know, I didn't really know where it would go. It kind of just started out as like, let's have a page that's actually run by chefs and actually knows what a good dish should look like and doesn't just post eye candy, but posts like real composed, uh, impressive dishes from a chef's perspective. So that's mm. kind of how it started. And, um, you know, uh, it just blew up from there, man. I mean, it, I, it was totally unexpected for me. Um, I think the only thing I can, you know, only thing I can credit myself with is that, you know, I have a good eye for food. I think I know what, uh, you know, uh, good food looks like. And so, I, I mean, I guess I can credit myself with that. But other than that, it's just been an organic, uh, you know, growth where 
you know, I think people just appreciated the food that I was posting and appreciated the perspective of, you know, a chef run, um, Instagram food page. And it just kind of went from there. Okay. Nice. And, uh, when, when it started blowing up, like, were you surprised or were you like, did you kind of know it was going to happen or what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I totally never knew it was going to happen. I mean, I, I, I mean, I didn't even know if it would be around after, you know, a year or whatever. I didn't know what was going to happen with it. It was just sort of something we did on a whim. Um, so yeah, I was definitely surprised when it started getting a lot of support. Um, and it started growing really quickly. Um, and so from there it kind of became like, okay, well, what can we do with this platform, um, to sort of benefit chefs and to bring some sort of value to chefs and foodies. And, um, you know, I think admittedly we're still kind of trying to figure that out and see what is the best, uh, you know, best use of the platform, obviously, other than sharing dope food pics, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. But Um, I mean, I can give, you know, I think maybe I can give a few Instagram pointers to people that are trying to build their page. Um, Yeah, that'd be good. So first of all, um, we never bought any followers. In fact, if you go to uh, Soigne Food as one of our uh, highlighted stories, we have um, inside the Soigne DMs. And I just, I just, I, I like taking screenshots of people that send us DMs about buying to me. So, because <laughs> we get it. I mean, we get people sending us hey, would you like to buy followers or, you know, take your follower count to this amount or get X amount of likes for this amount of money. And I don't know, to me, that's been like totally counterintuitive from the very beginning. I mean, I don't know why people do it. But at any rate, so we don't do that. Um, But a few pointers on just growing an Instagram following. Uh, One is to engage with your audience and with your potential audience. Um, We try to always like, respond to comments we try to always uh, have real interaction with people if they ask questions Um, and another uh, strategy that I think is pretty beneficial is to engage with other accounts from your accounts Um, but not like the spammy lame way that so many people do like you know you get anybody with an Instagram account has gotten the same spam comment that says like, wow, I like your picture. Check out my page for more info. And it's like, (laughs) does anybody actually go to that page? Probably not. But like, if you like, say for me, say I, I on Swanee food, say I search a hashtag of like foodie or gourmet food or something. And then I went to into that hashtag and just actually genuinely looked at people's food and commented like, hey, that sauce is really cool. How'd you make it? Or like, wow, you know, I've never seen that combination. Or, you know, that's a cool presentation or whatever it might be. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not commenting to try to get them to follow me. I'm just commenting them genuinely engaging with what they're doing as a chef or whatever their page is about. But when you do that, people want to know who, Hey, who's this guy who's like commenting on my page and like having a genuine conversation with, maybe I'll check out his page and Mm -hmm. think, you know, that's a really like genuine way for you to grow your Instagram page, you know? And I think a lot of people don't really do it. Like a lot of people don't even respond to comments, you know, or if they do, you know, they just like put a thumbs up or something. So, um, yeah, I think as 
to have an Instagram page is to like, if you want to do it where it's meaningful is to like be a part of a community, you know, like find your place in that community and like genuinely like interact with people. I think like the pages that I enjoy the most are like pages where I know, like I kind of get to know the person behind the page and like get to see, you know, how they interact with their daily life or interact with people or interact with their job or whatever their page is about. Um, I think having more than just, you know, pretty food, having, um, you know, a personality behind the page, even if it's just through holding conversations in the comment section is like super valuable because so many pages get so like spammy and boring nowadays, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a, that's something that I've focused on a lot is trying to be very engaging with the community. I have, um, I get a lot of those messages about growing your followers and yeah. I don't have the money to do that. And, uh, <laughs> B, it's like, no, like I want, like at the end of the day, why I'm doing this is to have a place for people to come talk and relate and chat. And like, what good is that if I have, you know, five thousand fake accounts? Yeah, it's me. like weird. It's like, what's even the point? Like, okay, so you have a number at the top of your page that makes you look better, but like these people, you know, are they even? They're not even real. Like, they don't even. They're not going to engage with you or talk to you or whatever. So like. It's just weird, you know, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of food pages out there do that because, I mean, we've been at this since 2016 and we've been fortunate enough to get to, you know, 100,000 or 117,000 followers. But there's a lot of pages out there that, you know, kind of started after us and all of a sudden are at like 700,000 followers. And you're just like, well, I mean, if they did get there organically, well, then, man. You know, they can teach me something, but <laughs> you yeah. think that, you know, maybe uh, just by sheer numbers and time frame that there's a lot of people buying followers out there, you know, but. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think you understand it well. I mean, there's like a certain amount of trust you have when you follow an Instagram account. I mean, I think it's really special that, you know, it's, it, it is just Instagram and there's so much more in life. But like, for me, it's important to like when people follow me, like they're letting me go into their daily feed. I'm in, I'm in their like daily, like what they see. Right. And so I think that's a really cool, like privilege to have. Yeah, it's true. I never really, I never thought about it like that. You're kind of letting you into their daily routine. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Instagram is just one way of expressing yourself. There's a lot of other things going on, but ultimately, I mean, Instagram is uh, a very popular social media platform nowadays and like that's kind of the direction that you know all roads are following right now is you know you, you kind of have to have an online presence to be relevant you know mm-hmm. yeah definitely um and so you do the online or the live uh chats on instagram i know hopefully i'll be on one soon <laughs> um how did you start that and like how do you ask people to come on and what, what are those all about well, yeah, it's, you know, we did it for a long time. We were doing a segment called Industry Talk Sundays, and it was an hour-long talk on Soigne Food um, live. And um, we, we've actually had a little hiatus from it just because of busy schedules, but we're looking to get back on it here shortly. Um, mm-hmm. And how it kind of started is, like, I just wanted to, like we were saying before, just engage with the audience. Like, there's so many food pages out there that I have no idea who runs them. I've never seen their face. I don't know what they do. I don't know what the personality is like. I don't know if they're a chef or they're just some IT guy. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So um, 
I thought it would just be cool to like actually get behind the camera and, and introduce yourself to people and as chefs talk about, um, you know, relevant issues going on um, in, um, in the industry. And I think in some ways, Instagram is sort of like, sort of like a window into our industry as chefs, you know, like a lot of chefs are on Instagram, a lot of them interact with each other. And uh, there's a lot of like, you know, funny comments that go on and different things like that. So I think Instagram is a part of our industry, you know, because, you know, most chefs or restaurants have to have an Instagram page nowadays. Just, you know, food is visual. People want to see what they're going to eat, you know. And um, yeah, so I just thought it was cool to like sort of have that platform be, you know, a time to just talk about what's going on in the industry. So uh, a good friend of mine, um, his account is Broke Dinner. His name is Kareem Roberts. Um, okay. he's, uh, he's a chef, but he's also um, like a food blogger. He's a very talented writer, in my opinion. And um, we always talked about like, you know, just between the two of us, just about the state of stuff going on in the industry or like, you know, what food trends are like annoying right now or what's going to die. You still got me? It was kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're uh, good. Um, so we talked about all those kind of industry topics. And then, um, you know, I said one day, why don't we just go live and, and start talking about this? And uh, so we would go and we would have like two or three topics um, that we chose um, for a specific day. Um, you know, like we might say like, Oh man, what were some of the topics? It's been a while. There's been so many of them, but we might say something like, you know, um, you know, like spicy food or not spicy. Like, is, does really spicy food have a place in fine dining? Or, mm -hmm. you know, we might say something like, um, you know, uh, what kind of leadership style is the best for running a kitchen? What kind of leadership style should a chef have? Or, you know, all these industry type, uh, topics so we would discuss um and then we would have a section where we would just look at food on instagram like through the camera on the live feed and just like joke about it or like give it props or like you know uh, you know roast certain dishes or whatever just have fun and laugh and you know enjoy the time and we had um we had kind of gained quite a um, loyal following and we, it seemed like a lot of people liked it and since we've since we've stopped doing it, we've actually had a lot of people that have contacted us and said that we need to start it again. So um, we're looking at starting it again here very shortly. Um, Kareem and I, sometimes our schedules don't always jive. So what we're going to try to start doing is either we'll do it or one of us will be the host and bring another chef in. And that way it'll be maybe a little bit more podcast style, um, but live mm -hmm. on Instagram and um, sort of in a different format so we're excited about pursuing that and see where it goes you know nice awesome and uh what uh what else do you see swanee foods like doing in the next year or so you know i don't like, know do you have any other plans or you know we're still trying to figure it out i mean um i'd like to do some um some take takeovers of some really like chefs that i admire uh we just did a uh, had a takeover from Vladimir Mukin, um, which was on like top top fifty lists, and and um, he has a restaurant called White Rabbit in Moscow, which is amazing. 
Um, really? And uh, I'd like to get some more chefs like that onto the platform to give people sort of a, um, a look into their world and what they do. Um, I'd like to have like, I'd like to have our takeovers be a little bit more involved where instead of just posting like nice food, they actually like, you know, show them prepping or show them, you know, making a dish or, you know, how they start their day or something like that. I'd like to get some more meaningful takeovers going. Uh, Okay. So if you're a chef and you hear this podcast and you'd like to do a takeover of Soignet food, you can certainly hit me up. Um, there you go. Anyone listening, uh, here's your chance. Beyond that, um, I'd like to, uh, you know, we just did a pretty cool uh, knife giveaway with a uh, small plate chef Instagram um, page. Yeah, and I know you yeah. recently had Dylan on, so that was kind of inter- That was kind of cool that that happened. Um, I'd like to do some more like giveaways or like, you know, um, like chef type products that we could have, um, given away on the page. You know, I just like to do anything that could really like be a blessing and be a benefit to chefs. You know, I think chefs are sort of the, uh, you know, it's like chefs and teachers and probably a few other professions you could you can mention are like super underpaid and undervalued workforce, you know? So mm-hmm. if uh, we could do something just to give value back and to just be a blessing to them and do something to benefit them, then, you know, I would like that. It's, you know, obviously it's only so far you can go as an Instagram page, um, but I'd like to explore that. Um, we've been talking about doing a Swanye food pop-up dinner for, a while now ever since the page kind of got fairly big um and i don't know how we would do that it would take a lot of coordinating but it'd be really cool to bring chefs from you know all over to one location and have them do super cool dinner and have it all like broadcast live on the platform i think that would be pretty epic that'd be nice it's still yeah uh, you know it takes a lot of planning so (laughs) yes definitely Awesome. Um, and I guess my last question is, or for Swanee Foods is what have you learned the most from it? Um, man, I don't know. I've just learned that, like, I guess, um, you know, good things happen to people who step out and try stuff, you know? Um, uh, I think that this was something that I did sort of on a whim, like something I saw that was needed or I thought would be cool to do. And, um, you know, I just stepped out and, and went for it, and there's been a tremendous response. And I think the lesson there is that, like, you know, don't be afraid to step out and do some cool stuff. You know, I think everybody's got ideas in their mind and hearts, and sometimes we're afraid of what the um, what the response might be or what the expectation might be. Um, but, you know, I'd rather step out and try to do something big and fail than never try to do anything at all and, you know, not know what would have been. So. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way of looking at it for me. Like with podcasting, I always loved podcasts for like the last two and a half years. And I never, I never thought I, you know, I always wanted one. And so one day I would just say, you know what? I just want to do it and see what happens. And um, I mean, I've met so many great people like you yourself and it's definitely been rewarding. So I definitely agree with that. And uh, what is like, so piggybacking off of that, like, what is some advice you'd give to a young cook who wants to brand themselves? Or maybe why is it important to brand yourselves or at least have some sort of presence somewhere in social media, whether it's your interests or what you like to do? Well, I mean, I think, I think right now, like, 
you know, obviously this is 2019. We're already into, you know, April. It seems like the beginning of the year flew by already. Um, you know, technology is such a big part of everyday life for people now and it's only getting bigger. And I think that as a chef, you know, you're doing yourself um, a disservice if you don't have a strong social media presence. And, um, you know, I think that um, the culinary field and, and especially professional chef field is an area that has been vastly unexplored in entrepreneurial opportunities through social media. I think there's still a lot of territory to be claimed in terms of entrepreneurial social media type businesses or income streams for chefs. Um, you know, I don't think they're, I mean, when you just think about it, like how are chefs making money on social media? I mean, I don't know. There's some that are, there's some that are doing it, but ultimately a lot of people, like I said earlier, they just have their, you know, they just have their head on the cutting board and they're just grinding out their shifts and they don't really have time to think about that. Mm -hmm. But I think that we should take time to think about it because, you know, if you have a businessman's mindset, you realize that there's opportunity there. And, you know, for a chef who's um, not pulling in as much money as he'd like, if you could make 500 to a thousand bucks a month on Instagram partnerships, that could make, that could be like a lot of money to somebody, you know, that could be you mm-hmm. know, buy new clothes for the kids or, you know, whatever it may be that, you need in life. Months, right? I mean, even if it's a hundred extra bucks, I mean, that can be, that's extra money for people that need it. So I think that, um, and it's not just about, uh, obviously not just about money, but I think that you never know what opportunity is going to present itself. You know, like mm-hmm. everybody has their eyes on social media. So if somebody was going to try to give you some sort of opportunity or some sort of deal or something, if you didn't have that social media presence for them to find, then, you know, they might not, you know, you never know what you, you might've missed. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I'll give you a good example. Uh, A guy recently contacted me that wanted me to consult for his restaurants in Miami and some new restaurants he's opening in New York. And uh, of course I was happy to get his call. Um, But he said, that he found me on Instagram and he had been following my account for two years and finally decided that I was the guy that he wanted uh, to do the food in his restaurants. Um, so, wow. I mean, that's like, and it's funny because when I went to like go check this guy's account, it was like um, he was, he didn't have like a profile picture or any posts or nothing. Like I never would have known, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but he was just on Instagram to, you know, to watch chefs or whatever, I guess. Um, and, uh, so I never would have got that opportunity if I was not showcasing who I am as a chef and showcasing my work and showcasing the type of food I like to do, that opportunity would have never come my way. Um, so I think it's just one of those things that, um, you know, it's like, like, what's the hurt of it? You know, it's free. It's a free platform. Make use of it and and, uh, put yourself out there and you never know what might happen. (laughs) <laughs> definitely uh thank you for sharing that and um yeah I, I definitely agree there's there's no reason not to put yourself out there especially in today's day and age um and you know and, so, yeah. and too like you know maybe 
you know, maybe you don't want to just post all kind of food, but maybe you like really like riding motorcycles when you're not in the kitchen, you know, maybe you have a motorcycle page or something and you, you know, you end up getting free motorcycle parts one day or, <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, I think that just whatever you're passionate about, whatever your, uh, whatever your field is that, you know, you should be putting yourself out there for people to find, you know, and only good things can come from that. Definitely. I totally agree with that. Um, the question that I end all of my podcast interviews with is uh, why, or what does it mean for you to be a part of Line Cook Nation, the group of people or community that I'm trying to create where people can relate and talk and I share, kind of share the cooks, the everyday cooks in the industry. What does it mean for you to kind of now be a part of that through this interview? Well, I mean, I think, I think it's awesome because I think chefs need to like talk more to each other. You know, I think, um, I mean, we've had so many tragedies in our industry with uh, suicides and uh, addiction problems and things like that. I think that as chefs, you know, we understand each other and we have a camaraderie um, that is maybe unique to our industry. And I think that we should, you know, talk to each other more and have each other's back more and understand each other more and be there for each other uh you know, and I think there's a lot of opportunities that could be created uh, just with different chefs uh, networking and building relationships. So I'm happy to be any small part of that for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, it's definitely an honor and I think it was a great talk and I think it's something that a lot of cooks can gather from in terms of building their brand. And I think this is the first time I actually got to talk to someone about like, like being a cook and being on Instagram. (laughs) So cool. or chef on Instagram. So thank you for kind of lending that viewpoint. I think it's something that a lot of chefs or cooks that you say don't realize they can do and they can potentially make a lot of money off of. So, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, ultimately, man, it's just like find what you're passionate about and like let people know about it. You know, everybody's got a talent or something that's awesome that other people could be interested in, you know, so whatever that is, you know, share it with the world. awesome thank you so much for being on all right thank you ray appreciate it have a great one you too this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So there you have it, the interview with Chef Lewis Robinson. I'm very excited to have shared this because, like I said, it means a lot to talk to a chef who kind of has his own social media empire going. Um, And basically, just a reminder right now to send in your voice messages for the Anthony Bourdain podcast I'm trying to get together. So basically, if Anthony Bourdain meant a lot to you, please download the Anchor app, look up Lion Cook Thoughts, and send me a one-minute voice message on why Anthony Bourdain meant so much to you. And I think it would be cool to have an episode on June 8th, which is going to be a year since he passed, to commemorate him. So if you're interested in this project, please Send me a voice message on why he was important to you. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you next time on the podcast.